0: Welcome to episode number 30 of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing at blisterreview.com. A wise man once wrote, all that glitters is not gold. Well, actually, Shakespeare wrote that all that glisters is not gold, but several hundred years later, not too many of us are probably using the word glister when hanging out around the water cooler. Though maybe we should try to get Glister back into the vernacular, so bonus points to you this week if you find ways to sneak Glister into your conversation on the skin track or chairlift. Anyway, point is, and this is a point that we've been making since day one at Blister you can still find and read our original manifesto on the website, that while it's easy to get transfixed by all the shiny new stuff, sometimes that shiny new stuff really doesn't work. So yesterday I talked with Paul Forward, Sam Shaheen, and Lou Coppa to discuss some of the most disappointing and or not dialed products we've tested. And though we tried our best to keep a real downer vibe throughout the whole conversation, there are moments where we couldn't help ourselves and we do let slip a little talk about some gear that we actually think is fantastic. But anyway, the theme today is about some of the recent not-great terrifying and or curse-inducing gear that we've tested and you should let us know in the show notes to this episode if you yourself have some all-time favorite worst of gear winners. All right then, buckle up and here we go. Well, I am here talking with Paul Forward, Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa in I don't know, this might be one of our grimmer podcasts because we're here today to talk about some of the products that have come out that we have been uh, pretty disappointed in because not everything is always an A-plus or a home run. So uh, first up, uh, we've got here Paul Forward. Paul, how are you doing? Hey, Jonathan. I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. And then we've got Sam Shaheen, who just got back from skiing. Sam, it was a pretty good day out.
1: Whew. Yeah, it was it was it was great. We uh, probably about eight inches fresh, and it pounded all day long, and just a uh, great crew and an awesome day. I'm I'm uh, psyched.
0: Okay. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul, you did not have that type
1: of thing? And well, and wait, well, and also before we get into like talking a bunch of crap about all these all these products we don't like, I had a great day on a new ski today, the Folsom Trophy Carbon build. It was awesome. We can talk about that more a different day, but I'm I'm real psyched on it.
0: Yeah, way to just completely change the whole vibe of this downer, <laughs> of this downer <laughs> podcast. Uh, anyway, Sam, Sam, always ruining things. It's a, a consistent refrain. Anyway, Luke Kappa, um, did you make it out today, Luke? I did. I got out
2: for about an hour, and we were also getting snow all day here in Crescent Butte. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was great, and just ran out to get some laps in, and then within a few minutes was back at my computer and recording a podcast with you guys.
0: Sweet, okay, and uh, I did not get out today, so um, Paul and I are the ones who are not winning this conversation so far. But <laughs> can, um, I,
3: can I change my answer from here in Alaska <laughs> about how I'm doing now that I've heard those guys talk about their day?
0: <laughs> yeah, you can. What's because up, Paul? Is I it-
3: went, I went skiing yesterday, and. I hiked 2,000 feet to ski about 10 turns of boot top, mushy pow, and then survival skied 2,000 feet to the road in the rain. And I'm essentially living in the midst of a recently earthquake torn wasteland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not really
3: that. The, the earthquake recovery is going pretty well, but the skiing is not recovering.
1: Now the vibes back. Yeah.
3: The, vibe is, yeah. the vibe is back. I think that sets us up well for this podcast. So yeah.
0: Paul, you and I haven't actually talked about this part. I mean, were there effects in Girdwood?
3: Well, so so Girdwood's like like thirty five forty miles south of Anchorage, yeah. and the epicenter of the earthquake was ten miles northwest of Anchorage, and about I think it was like twenty five miles deep, so it was a fairly deep earthquake. And so um, Anchorage, the Matanuska the Sitna Valley, and Eagle River, like really where my, where I grew up, really took the brunt of it. Yeah, and uh, Girdwood got I mean we had like stuff on the floor and like things broken, and you know some people's houses got knocked around a little bit here, but, uh, pretty minimal, like real damage in Girdwood, like the lift infrastructure, everything I've heard about the resort's all fine. Mm
0: -hmm. But,
3: uh, but you guys probably saw the photos from Anchorage, like it was was pretty, pretty pretty gnarly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To everybody in the Anchorage area, we hope you're doing okay and starting to put the pieces back together and. Yeah, this really, that is a perfect segue into talking about things that are disappointing and sad. Um, so good thanks for that, Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul, we might as well allow you to keep it going then. So what's your, uh, what's your first candidate, Paul? My first candidate is the uh, Faction
3: Prime 4.0 that I skied last year in, I believe it's 185 or 186 centimeter length. Mm -hmm. that I skied here in Alaska and I took to on a trip to Japan and I actually had pretty high hopes for them. They were uh, had nice looking shape that, you know, good looking rocker camber profile. They were fairly light. Um, I put a pair of tectons on them, which is a binding that I, that I like, especially for a trip like Japan. And I was pretty excited about them and I just, maybe it's me, but I could not really figure out how to ski confidently on those things in, especially in anything like firm or variable, and I tried, I mean, the tune was kind of wacky when I got them. I took them to Powderhound, our local ski shop, and twice to detune them and then flatten the bases and then try a few different things. And, and I tried, I moved the mount point, I remounted them three times every time back, as we discussed in the review. I started at, I think, just behind what they called All Mountain, and I ended up at what they call um, Candide. <laughs> and uh i'm, I'm sorry I, i'm sorry i take that back i started yeah. with them at the back and i moved them forward to to candide and uh i still still didn't really feel like the ski was balanced i still felt like i was kind of far back but i didn't really feel like i had enough a lot of tip in front of me to um to lean on to, to like move them that much further forward i just felt like they were like a teeter-totter ski kind of like couldn't ever find the right place in them hmm. and they, i felt they were pretty hooky and so um i think there was a lot of good stuff potentially going on with that ski. Like it seemed like pretty good construction, like fairly damp for its, for its weight. And on paper, it looks like a great ski, but despite putting a fair amount of work into trying to make, make them work, I just didn't get on well with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this it's a gorgeous ski. I mean, oh, yeah. um, it's one of my favorite looking skis. I think I saw for from, sure uh, the last couple of totally seasons, agree. but, but, uh, I can't really think in all of these years uh, about i can't drum up a thought of a ski that you've been on with an ultimate conclusion of i just can't figure out like the mount point or where to stand on this thing so yeah Yep.
3: yeah no that's true i mean there's been other skis where there's been plenty of skis where i'm like this isn't a ski i would like buy for myself and would be my ski and this i wouldn't put this in that category this is a ski i just felt like you know if the pair i have and again this is always a caveat on any yep. ski we ever review if the pair i have is representative of all the faction 4.0 primes on the shelf out there yeah it's hard for me to imagine that i mean certainly it's like i mean you can go skiing and have fun on a powder day when I'm, and I did but I, it's hard for me to imagine
0: that most people won't be happier on something else somber stuff from Paul Forward um <laughs> Sam Shaheen uh Sam Shaheen, what do you got?
1: Alright, I am gonna start with the uh the Scott S1 touring boot. Um this is a boot we saw at SA a few years back, and it looks super interesting. It's got like this walk mode on the front of it, kind of like where the tongue would be. And, like there's all these cable buckles that go over the walk mode, and so like when you buckle it down, the walk mode like locks into ski. And when you undo the buckle, it like pops and you can walk, and it it, it looks like kind of a interesting sort of you know take fresh take on the like classic touring boot with the walk mode in the back but it's uh <laughs> it was very disappointing on snow first of all I mean fit is fit is you know everyone has, has a different foot shape for me this boot was just way too voluminous like the forefoot is huge the heel pocket is like not well formed at all but the thing is on snow it's just incredibly soft forward and i've never been on a boot that's as soft in the rearward direction like you just lean back into this boot and because the walk mode's not back there to like actually hold it the whole thing just like collapses and like when you flex forward into it the whole the whole shell deforms and it makes the the wide boot already like the already wide boot even wider but we we did have pretty high hopes for this one and i was pretty disappointed on it
0: okay <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Luke.
2: Yeah, so my disappointing product is also a ski boot um, that is new for 1819. It's the Head Core One Boot. Uh, if any of you have read our buyer's guide, you may have picked up on the fact that we're not super high on this boot, to kind of say the least. Um, I think the thing that set this one apart for me was there were so many, or there have been so many. Like 1500 gram touring boots that are meant to work in the resort and the backcountry that have come out in the past couple of years. And they, for the most part, a lot of them have been really, really good. Um, And so I expected heads to be good because they make, like, we like a lot of their skis. Jonathan and Paul, I think you guys like the Raptor series of their boots. But like. once we got light, like. yeah, understatement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It's a great boot. Um, it's a great boot. <laughs> anyway, sorry yeah. to sorry to digress by talking about products we like.
2: Yeah, no, this is not yeah, what this that. conversation That'll is about. <laughs> no more positivity, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, once we got the boot, Jonathan, I think you skied it first for like a day or something against the zero g. Um, I, put,
0: I put a couple yeah. days in it first, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, and then I got it and started touring on it. And I think my first day. Um, was out skiing some coolars in the spring in some kind of manky unpredictable snow on a ski that i wasn't familiar with and first off the while touring um there's this kind of hard stop at the front which i'll also get to in the skiing section but it's kind of like the solomon qst boot where it's got a decent amount of rearward range of motion, but it, you just like keep hitting your shin if you stride long or if you if you take long strides or if you're like going up a steep incline mm-hmm. and then when it comes time to descend, um, well, it wasn't the it wasn't the boot I would have liked to be on at the top of a fairly steep line in not great conditions because once you lean into it, it basically just doesn't doesn't stiffen up at all. Until you get to that hard stop, which is about, I don't know, I would estimate like 20 or 30 degrees into the flex of the boot. Mm -hmm. Um, So that basically had me all over the place on that line and then skied it a lot more for like mellow touring and in the resort. And yeah, it, it goes from like basically linear or zero resistance in the flex to just this stop. And it is not a very intuitive flex pattern. and. It doesn't tour well enough or and it's not light enough to justify like, oh, it's just an uphill oriented boot, so I'm excited to see what head does with it in the future because mm-hmm. it seems like there's some interesting tech going on, especially with their liner and the degree of customization you can get with that boot, yep, but yeah, the bottom shell. line is, yeah, the shell needs some work
0: it's a yeah, that shell is not good i I literally I was like scared that i was gonna slam my face into my ski tips (laughs) on the snow um i mean it just was like and you know you there are these plastic uh dots or stops on the outside of the shell and like on on the the clog or the shoe of the boot and that is basically what is supposed to like plays a major role in providing some support to Mm -hmm. the cuff and it's like that cuff would just hit those plastic bumps on the shoe of the boot. And then the whole shoe would just flex out like really yeah. wide. So that was terrifying. So I don't know, either be extremely light and balanced and never get on the front of your boot or ski very, 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 very low angle terrain and you'll be, you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: I I would give a similar caveat to the S1s.
0: Are they employing the 1980s plastic bump on the shoe, Uh, (laughs) uh, like, cuff stoppage?
1: Actually, no. No. And and to be fair, the forward flex on them is soft, but decent, you know, like – if you're gonna be on, if you're gonna be skiing, you know, driving your boot in the front, and you're not needing any of that rearward support, it's it's passable. If, if you're if you can't charge in it for sure, like regardless, it's it's not stiff enough for that. But it's passable there. It's just it, it doesn't have the rearward support. Like it just it's there's nothing there.
0: Hmm. Sam, I think you should get out of the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> Which, ironically, as much fun as I like to make of you, Sam, like, I don't really, it's just, it's surprising to me, given your, your lightweight physically, and then, like, I don't think of you as somebody who would be having these issues with rearward support. I mean, Paul Forward skiing with his, like, 90-pound guide backpack, (laughs) that, that would, like, make more sense, but I am still surprised when I hear these, these, uh, these complaints coming from you for some reason? I
1: don't know. I think like part of it is skiing a bunch of crappy snow. You know, when you're in like steep terrain, consequential stuff, you're always kind of like four aft trying to make sure yep. that you're, you're like in the right balance point for, for like maybe you're going to punch through or maybe you're going to hit ice or whatever. So mm-hmm. especially in like tight, steep terrain, I find myself on the, on the backs a lot, mm-hmm. but, like in, in the resort, it's nowhere near as big of a deal.
0: Mm-hmm. When you're nuking moguls and- at 100 miles an hour, you don't get back seat on dedicated carvers. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, you,
1: you, yeah, come on, guys.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, moving on. Paul, you are back up. What do you got?
3: Okay. Um, the next one that I, this will be pretty quick, that I really, really dislike is the vocal vacuum skin. Yeah, And I did double check before this podcast to see if they were still on Vocal's website as a current product offering, because I assumed that they would have gotten rid of them. Mm-hmm. But you can still buy them from Vocal. And so I still think this is this is fairly pertinent. Um, the, the most telling thing I think about them is that we wrote a pretty scathing, pretty negative review of them on the site. And then, you know, it seems like every few months, my email pings up with a comment added to that uh, review from some equally disgruntled yep. person who's there to vent and talk about how terrible <laughs> their experience also was with those skins. Yeah, And so I think recently a guy who was a snowboarder, a splitboarder, tried them and talked about like life-threatening, yeah. de- like like a life-threatening skin loss. And I've had some super frustrating days with them where I was just like, yeah, pretty upset that I had chosen those skins mm-hmm. for the day. And so, yep, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty easy one. They just, and I, I mean, for those who haven't paid attention to our stuff, we've said about them. The the basic problem is is they just don't stay on your skis. Like they may be good for one run in like perfect conditions if you apply them in your warm, dry house. Mm-hmm. And uh and all bets
0: are off after that. Yep. I remember we were doing laps in New Zealand together, and yep. I just kept having my like skins rip entirely off my skis aside from where the connectors are and the tips and tails. And you guys were like 3 miles ahead of me or something and I was like oh man I'm just I'm just going to be left here in the dark and get eaten by New Zealand wolves or or uh, kia birds or something and yeah, I, the birds. I was super pissed and then I
3: and, and it's worth saying that we had that pair in New Zealand on the BMT 109s yep. and then I had another pair on the BMT 122s that I used here in Alaska and they were exactly the same like just as bad if not worse
0: huh and also worth noting how much we love both the BMT 109 ski and the BMT 122 ski. Totally, I mean they're phenomenal.
3: And not to throw a Vocal under the bus for their sk- their skins, I mean I've used Vocals um, pre-cut uh, dedicated skins for the BMT 122 as well. They're like I think they're pure mohair. They might be mohair mix, and I thought they were excellent. They were, they were comp- the glue was good, the glide was good, the grip was fine. Um, but and and the the plush on the the vacuum skins is actually pretty good, I think. It's just that the way they adhere to the ski is the whole problem.
0: Yeah. On the positive side though, if we want to, you know, silver linings and all, no question, they're the easiest skin to get off that I've I've ever used. Oh yeah, it's easy, you just start skinning. (laughs) If they can dial in that glueless system, um, I would actually be a massive fan because I mean it is it is like the most minimal transition time, and you can just stick them in your coat, and it is it is very fast. But uh, they have half of it dialed. There's an important you, other half that needs improvement. That's right.
3: Do you guys know? Does anybody know if they still make those uh, those gecko skins? The you know the other glueless skin that was on the market for a while.
0: That's a good. I question. I don't.
2: I did use them once, like a while ago. They they. Seem to work well. I can't remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I never used them, but I've I've heard like they're okay.
3: I, I was actually a beta tester for a product called Clip Skins, which I would put right up there with vocal vacuum skins. As far as <laughs> it's like uh, t- terrifying uses in the backcountry, they, they, <laughs> the idea was they were totally glueless and they had little metal clips that would slip over the edges and the sides of your ski. And I probably had like three or sure. four pairs of them that I tried out, and they were they were terrifying. Like they were mm-hmm. really scary. but anyway digressing
0: digressing sam you're up
3: all
1: right so the next one on my list is the faction dictator line of skis and i think the reason why this one really bugs me more than a lot of these other products is that I see people on these skis all the time. And every time I see someone on a dictator three or four, I just want to like go up in the lift line and give them a hug and be like, I'm sorry. It's going to be okay. <laughs> because the skis,
3: they're just like,
1: they kick your ass. The only people who should be skiing, the dictators should be getting them for free from faction because they're pro skiers. <laughs> like the ski is so punishing and it's super lightweight too, for like an all mountain charger So it's, it's not super stable and then it's going to kick your ass. Like it has, Mm -hmm. it has very little rocker It has a huge effective edge. It's super stiff. um, And man, they're just, they're hard. They're hard to ski. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional skier, but I'm a pretty good skier and like, I don't want to ski them ever. They're just way, way too hard.
0: Now, just to be clear. We need to talk a little bit about the 3.0 versus the 4.0. Because we, I mean, you and I both had, Sam, you may recall my first, my first day on the 4.0, I skied one groomer and refused to ski it again. I was (laughs) like, this ski is broken and wrong and I'm not blowing (laughs) my knee out. But then this past spring, I got on it after we tuned it and I am actually like, Granted, we were skiing like spring slush, but for me, the jury is still out on the 4.0. And I didn't have quite as strong of a negative feeling about the 3.0, though I, I don't disagree with what you're talking about and what you're saying, but that 4.0, I actually am looking forward to get more time and just just see what, you know, if my experience is more like the first time I was skiing it or more like when I was getting on it in the spring, the 3.0 just felt super game on. And I do frankly wonder if this is one of those times where like, Sam, you are light. And I don't know, like if we had Paul, you know, at a hundred 100- fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we had, checking. if we had Paul on the four o or three o, how similar, let alone somebody that weighs 220, 230, I'm not saying it becomes some plush ride at all but I I do wonder how much of a factor. I mean, honestly, we've been doing this long enough and been on so many different types of skis. I do stand by our takes on this stuff. I can't recall a single time where a even a much heavier person had just a wildly different experience. Anyway, I guess I wanted to just muddy the waters there with some of that.
1: And I don't disagree with that too. I mean, I think that there are, there are like redeeming qualities to the ski. And I think some people will enjoy that. I think it's just very, very few people, but mm-hmm. I mean, on, on the weight issue, we pretty much agree on a lot, you know, mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to skis, you know, and you and I aren't that similar weight wise. And I'm, I am, I am not calling you fat, Jonathan, um, <laughs> but for me, at least I, I, I can't think of a single person I would recommend that ski to.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess this is what we wrote about the 3.0, right? Like if you are touring or boot packing, gnarly stuff and, you know, you just need to drag up a lighter ski, but then you need that really solid platform because you're skiing gnarly stuff. So you're willing to just do away with any forgiveness. That's really kind of it. But again, I've been saying the same thing for too many years now, but I'm like, if you're going light soften it up i i just still do not understand why go so stiff the lighter you're gonna make a ski it's I, i've I, I don't know maybe i'm forgetting like my exception to the rule but i still kind of stand by that but i don't know that's just me and sam
1: yeah i agree 100 <laughs> percent.
2: luke kappa um, I think that's pretty much it. Although all I'll add to the dictator is that Sam almost killed me while we were trying to shoot pictures on it because he couldn't <laughs> turn. Um, so I'll
0: just tack that on.
1: Hey, but I would also like to say that I didn't kill you, and we got a good <laughs> shot. So <laughs>
0: was this yeah. was this the three o or the four o? This is
2: the four o, like first runs on it on like pretty firm, very steep telluride groomers.
1: It was a little sketchy, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: To be fair, nothing. I mean, I actually love Faction's copy about the dictators. And they like they're like, look, to to their true, seriously I mean this, to their credit, they're like screw you, you're probably not good enough to ski this ski. You know they're like,' probably true, true It's for lunatics. They're like, "Yeah, you may kill your photographer, whatever, you know that's not our problem. you know So I loved their copy on these things, so I appreciated the truth in advertising. uh, we're back to you, Paul. Do you have a third?
3: uh just a general rant on ski equipment my My greatest right. ski equipment pet peeve might possibly be, and I have quite a few. But it might possibly be any glove that when your hand is sweaty or you put it in wet and then you remove your hand, the lining of the glove or any part of the inside of the glove inverts itself as you pull your hand out. And I think most glove manufacturers have at least a couple gloves out there that do this. And I've experienced it in pretty much every brand of gloves I've ever used. And it is horrible. It's is awful. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it makes your gloves useless, and then you're fighting to get it back on, or you're skiing around without a glove on, or it, it's just it's just so dumb. Like, never gloves are designed like that. They should just immediately be all sent back to the factory or wherever. <laughs> and I don't. I don't know.
0: Is there like one brand that we think is like for some reason does this frequently, or does do we? I mean, Sam and Luke, feel free to chime in. Like. Does this seem to be just, it happens, uh, various brands from certain models? So,
3: this is Paul. I would say the most frustrating one, the most expensive pair of gloves I ever had do it immediately were Hestras. I've had several pairs of Hestras do it, including the the first pair or the only pair of like Seth Morrison pro models I ever had. It was like so bad. They were unusable. Um, And then I've had a couple pairs of black diamond gloves do it pretty badly. And those are the ones that come readily to mind, but it's, it's not limited to those two for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I did a kind glove that did it, but at the moment I don't have any that do it, which is, um, great.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's why I'm personally a fan of just like classic leather gloves and just treat them with wax because most of the time the issue with that is that they're using a cheaper manufacturing process where, they're using a waterproof insert that's not sewn to the outer shell and that's why you can just pull it out yeah. and then it never goes back in the right way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I share your frustration for sure. It's hmm. Awful. Terrible.
3: This- and, and I think any retail shop should just take gloves back. If people come in they're like, Hey, I bought these this year. I mean, obviously if they're like destroyed, then you know, you use them a lot and they started falling apart. That's one thing. But if you buy a pair of gloves within a few weeks and your hands doing that, you should definitely be able to just take them to your shop and say, I need
0: my money back (laughs) Hmm.
2: in my opinion. Burn them.
0: (laughs) All right, Sam, we're going to give you the last, uh, the last word.
1: Um, I'm going to pick a ski that I actually skied on a lot last year. Um, I was really psyched on it at SIA It just—it struck me as a ski that was just going to be an amazing mountaineering ski. You know, it had a lot of things that I wanted: the long, effective edge; it was pretty stiff; it came in at a lightweight. And that's the Scott Super Guide 105. And this is this is just a good lesson in life, I think, because all of those things that I just listed that I thought I wanted in a mountaineering ski turns out are terrible.
0: Oh, I like this. Keep going. (laughs) Give it the broader life application, Sam.
1: The, uh, broader life application is we don't necessarily know what's best for ourselves.
0: hmm <laughs> This is true.
1: This ski is just, it's so unwieldy. Like, it's stiff, and it has so much effective edge, and it's so lightweight that it gets knocked around like crazy, and it can hold an edge, but because it's so stiff, it's really harsh. So, as you're, like, as you're, you know, sliding down icy, like, crappy snow, it's bouncing all over the place. It's transmitting all that energy back up into the, into the, into your body and the stupid tech bindings don't help much there. And, um, it was just, it was scary. Like I skied it on a lot of really big lines last year and I'm super happy to not have to be skiing it anymore.
0: Well, Sam, not every ski can be your favorite Razi soul seven.
1: No, <laughs> no, it can't,
0: you know, you take a lot of flack for that for liking that ski. You also get a lot of praise. Like there's a lot of people that are I think on team Sam and you're praised for that ski, but anyway, apparently Sam doesn't like What is the what name of stiff ski you like, Sam?
1: I love the CBC, the prior CBC. Yeah, the G3 Sender is incredible.
0: Those are two really good examples actually cuz that <laughs> that CBC is such a playful shape, but it is stiff.
2: The Titans also really stiff too. But it doesn't feel like it. That's true. That's true. Ooh, the Ranger 102 is also pretty stiff. Ooh, the Ranger
1: 102, (laughs) yeah. And that mantra,
2: the mantra is decently stiff, too.
0: Okay. You're doing a good job of countering the argument that you're just a wuss. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: really are. And and actually, speaking of my favorite ski, the Soul 7, I did text Luke today about that Folsom and told him that it might be my new favorite ski. Whoa. Yeah. The thing is really good. Okay. (laughs) It's exactly my style. It's like a super Ben Chetler 120. I'm way into it.
0: Sam, I already told you, you're not supposed to talk about things you like in this one. but uh,
2: <laughs> I, I got more on my list. Do oh, you want me to go through it? No. Oh, no. I, actually, I have one now. <laughs> what you got? It's been a while since I've been on it, but the Black Diamond Boundary Pro 115. Ooh, a second. I second that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sam also got on it. It looked like a C I'd love. Um, decent amount of tip taper, a little bit of tail taper lots of tip and tail rocker, look like a playful shape. Um, Based on what Jonathan, what you had said about the regular boundary, it seemed like I'd like the pro version because it's like this high performance version. But turns out it's just really, really, really torsionally stiff and brutal in basically anything other than powder. Um, I ended up, I can't remember where I was skiing, but skiing like light chop in the afternoon, fairly fast. And just extremely punishing if he got on the tails and ended up having one of my most spectacular crashes of the year. Which is saying a lot because you, Sam and Jonathan, you've seen some of them from last year. Um, (laughs) And I ended up chipping one of my teeth because I hit my knee in my face. Um, (laughs) Yeah, super fun. Um, (laughs) And and I, I had last year, I had my most
1: spectacular crash of the year on that ski as well. Really? Yeah, I was nolling a roller at the bottom of Telluride, and I caught the oh, tip yeah. and like front flipped. <laughs> at the end of the day, onto hard pack is
2: awful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess all what I've just heard is that you guys just clearly are pros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it seems to me it's probably safe to say that skis keeping the keeping the people off it who shouldn't be on it.
2: <laughs> Literally throwing them <laughs> off of it. <laughs>
0: Literally. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to send it to Paul. Put a real pro on it. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't
3: send any skis here right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Eeyore. Oh man. It's
3: like normally I'd be like a solid month into skiing
0: a lot right now, and man. I am I I am not right yeah. now. <laughs> well, but you gotta come see us and you almost you almost did literally right now. I almost did. I
3: almost would be there live recording this podcast from Crested Butte.
0: Well but. we'll we'll work on getting you out here and
3: Well and you know what? Actually I think just to throw this out there, it is really good up high here right now. We just need to get the helicopter going.
0: <laughs> It'll be really good. <laughs> I,
1: I could say the same thing here.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> that could probably be said in a whole lot of places. I guess that's a, I guess that's a fair point. But Well, anyway, listen, before we've depressed our listenership and now that we've have hitmen coming from however many companies, you know, but hey, not everything is a home run. And like we said, I think we've also named companies that generally there's a lot of stuff they're doing that we really like. If anybody questions that, you can go look at our reviews. Uh, always in life, there is room for improvement. So we've cited a few instances of that. So Anyway, gentlemen, shall we wrap on that? Anything else we need to discuss before we go?
3: I think we should do another one of these because I'm sure we all have more stuff we can talk about, but we've probably done enough for right now.
0: I think we've, I think our work here is done for now, but yes, we will, uh, we will bring back the, I still don't know what we're calling this, like the lemon episode or the, the Eeyore episode or the disappointing (laughs) we're sad now episode, but we'll, we'll work on that. And yeah, we'll, we'll do it again sometime. All righty. Okay, guys. Well, hey, thanks. And I will see some of you very, very soon and then hope to see one of you as soon as we can get you to uh, the mainland. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye-bye. Later. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. And again, let us know in the show notes of this episode, what gear just missed the mark entirely for you. And on a more grateful note, thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and as always, thanks to you for leaving us a nice rating or a review on iTunes if you are enjoying these episodes. We've now got 30 Gear 30s down, and we would love to do a million more, so we would really appreciate it if you left us a good rating or review so that we can keep this whole thing going. Thank you for that, and take good care, everybody.